This episode was actually one of the first podcasts that we recorded. Back then, we didn't realize that people were probably sick of this subject. But we're releasing this now because, let's face it, 2020 is definitively the year of the pandemic. We want to leave this in 2020, hoping that next year, this is just something that we will look back on, like a time capsule entry of one of the strangest years of our lives. Hello and welcome to Banana Q, your Filipino-flavored podcast. I'm Ray, your host, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Heidi. Heidi. Hi, Ray. Today, let's talk about COVID. Turning the new year 2020, we got so excited that we are entering a new decade full of hope, full of promises, and then COVID happened. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the roaring 20s, but... It completely made a U-turn to, to something really, really unexpected. And COVID, it didn't change us as Filipinos. It changed the entire world. It changed us as humans. So we thought, how did COVID change us exactly? Uh, we thought that, you know, it would fall into three major buckets, like health, work, and social impact. Yes, that's right. And maybe let's talk about health first, because I think that's the more pressing concern. And during our last episode, you interviewed Luis, who actually contracted the virus. And it did get pretty serious at some point, like even though he didn't really fear about uh, dying, but it got to a point where he was so conscious about being dependent on medical devices just to even breathe, like a basic function of breathing may be taken away because of COVID. Yeah, so I guess the biggest uh, impact would be on the people who actually contracted the virus like Lewis, but the people who got it the worst are obviously those who died from the virus. And it doesn't just impact them, it also impacted their families. Uh, the sad thing was because COVID is very contagious, the family members couldn't even get to see them on on their last moments and they couldn't even yes. hold a funeral for them yeah so that's also sad because we want to be able to grieve for those we have lost yeah so the the bracket of people that are that, that are most at risk with this virus are obviously the, the old people those who do not have a strong enough immune system to to fight off the virus they're more susceptible and so even though we don't belong in that bracket we need to be more sensitive about socially distancing ourselves so that we we don't only protect ourselves but we also protect the people that we interact with on a daily basis, on a regular basis, and even for people that we don't know, if the way we commute, the way we buy things, the way we do things physically has completely changed. And that is to protect people who are most susceptible of this virus. Yes. The, the most impacted industry is the medical profession because obviously there are a lot of people getting the virus and so the hospitals are getting so congested that the facility, the infrastructure is not able to support. We're not even talking about the non-COVID patients that require medical attention too. I think there's a lot of shift in resources to COVID that it has displaced the, the required attention to non-COVID patients like people with cancer, people with ser serious illnesses that re require the same amount of attention but because of the surge in, in COVID patients that has deteriorated the comfort and care that they are getting. And that got me thinking like e even if you don't have COVID but if you have a sickness that kind of compromises your immune system then yeah. you're actually more at risk when you are at the hospital where there are a lot of people having the virus then there's a higher risk of you actually contracting it within the same building. 
the ones who are working in the medical field are also the ones who are at risk, right? Because they're exposed to potentially hundreds of people who have the virus. So even though they're ah, yes. using masks and face shields and whatnot, they could still risk contracting the yeah. virus. And then I don't know now, but like at the beginning of the year when this began and the hospitals were not quite prepared, they didn't have enough gear for the mm. for everyone. So I had a friend who was a nurse. And he contracted the virus because he didn't have enough PPE. PPE is personal protective equipment. So they mm. had run out. He didn't have some. And he was in the COVID ward. And mm. he, he caught the virus. Yeah. He was definitely positive with COVID. But his symptoms were light. So they didn't even let him stay in the hospital. Because the hospital needed to um, reserve their beds for the more serious patients. So he just had to stay at home. But then that means he his family was at risk. So that's an impact on the nurses and doctors who are exposed yeah, to this that... virus as well. And I remember there were stories as well of nurses who would be afraid to go home. Some of them would have to stay in dorms like our friend's sister who is a nurse uh, back in the Philippines. So in their mm. hospital, instead of going home, they were asked to stay in a dorm during the duration wow. of when they are... I think they rotated shifts on who was assigned to the COVID unit so, like, so that they reduce the risk of going home and infecting their own family. So that's also an impact on them. So undoubtedly, those who are in the medical practice are the unsung heroes of this entire thing. And hopefully once we are over, they definitely deserve a break. Give them sabbatical, give them a medal. And give them a race. <laughs> yes. There are these movements in certain countries mm. where at a certain time, everyone should go on their balconies and clap for the carers. Yeah. And that is good, that is touching. But aside from that, they should also yeah. get like a bonus yeah. or being heroes, as you said. You, you and I are not in the medical practice, but w when that happens to our side, we, we get promoted, we get a bonus. But hopefully that also happens across people who are actually toiling for, for us to get rid of this virus. And as you've mentioned, right, they've, it completely changed the way they work, the way they live, and they deserve financial reward. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So since we've talked about the medical industry, they are overworked, they have high demand, and along with the other essential industries, mm -hmm. um, they have thrived. But let's not forget, there are also industries that are actually suffering because of this COVID situation. Yeah, in the opposite direction. In, yeah. Yes. Uh, industries that are dependent on crowds, food traffic, people physically interacting in, in dealing with the business, they are severely impacted. And uh, some of these industries are airlines and international events as well, like uh, famously, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics got cancelled. And talking about smaller businesses, uh, restaurants are severely impacted. The number of patrons physically going to restaurants have declined severely. Mm -hmm. Mom and pop shops, those small shops that require their patrons to be in their business, say salons, uh, barber shops, massage yeah. parlors, all of these industries, all of these businesses barely survive. Most of them actually closed down because of the virus. Some restaurants who have been around for decades in Singapore, for example, have sadly had to close down because they just don't have yeah. the cash to keep themselves afloat. And it doesn't just impact the owners of the restaurants, obviously, but the employees of all these shops. Yeah. They, they have had to lay off people. Yeah. There are a lot of people losing their jobs and some did not lose their jobs 
jobs, but were asked to get a pay cut. And that's something that happened to my friend. And he had no choice. He has bills to pay. What industry was he in? He, he, he was in the events organization industry. So he, oh, he organized yeah. events. And obviously, because of COVID, uh, events got canceled. Contracts were not renewed. And that's why he had to accept a pay cut because that's better than actually losing his job. How can he pay for his rent, his telephone bill, how can he survive? Yeah. And we don't know when this COVID is going to end. And he had just to accept a pay cut. And some people not getting retrenched did not have a pay cut, but were asked to do, let's say, two or three people's worth of job. Yeah, maybe like the company would lay off one person, but then the other person mm. would have to take on the work of that person that got laid off. And he wouldn't get extra pay because the mm. company doesn't have any to give him. Yes, that's right. And I just want us to close this topic by saying, that with businesses at risk or at the brink of bankruptcy, this is where governments step in. And obviously, different governments in, in different countries have addressed this differently. They have their own policies. But what I'm hoping for is uh, collectively, politicians and those who are in power would actually step in and help those who badly need the support, granting them loans, giving them assurances that, you know, uh, giving them liquidity that they need to pay off their short-term debt, keep the business going not to retrench people and to just survive this in the foreseeable future. Yeah, and those people who come from developing countries are the ones who are suffering a lot. Like I think in the Philippines, uh, those people who lose their jobs, I am not even sure if our government offers them uh, money today. I think it's usually just like uh, if there is a money, it's probably just a token amount that wouldn't really cover their full income and maybe they just usually mm. get ayuda like in the form of food. Yeah. But I, I am not actually sure if, like, for example, the tricycle drivers, the jeepney drivers, yeah. do they get anything? I think uh, there's just a certain criteria that needs to be fulfilled for you to uh, get help. But I don't even know what the criteria is and if everyone can actually apply for said help. Yeah. So it has to be inclusive. It has to be fair. It has to reach to everyone, right? Because it, it's not a select few that requires help. It's actually uh, a big majority of the people who are suffering uh, because they're not able to do their own business. They're not able to work because of COVID. So yeah, it, it requires a very comprehensive, uh, very big task for the government. Now that we've talked about how industries are getting affected, we've seen people getting retrenched. Let's talk about our own experience. And you, you and ID, we're lucky, Manzano. We're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, um, that yeah. we belong to industries that are more resilient to this virus. And I think you have the most experience with this because you actually changed not just your job, but you immigrated to a different country whilst COVID was happening. When I accepted this job offer to move to Hong Kong at the beginning of the year, at that point, I think it wasn't a pandemic yet. So I didn't really expect mm. that it would blow up. So I accepted a job um, and then had to serve two months notice. So during that mm. two months, everything just got really, really worse. Yeah. I mean, I still, I was at that point, like not sure, do I still have this new job offer? Am I still moving or what? Because um, mm. the government offices in Hong Kong had closed down um, for a period. So mm. they wouldn't even be able to approve my employment pass. 
because of that. So I kept on asking HR. Yeah. So what's what's happening? I mean, uh, am I still getting the job? So I was thinking, you know, if if I'm not, then I sh- they should just tell me so I could retract my resignation. resignation. And so mm-hmm. it was like a lot of anxiety for me as well. I think I was supposed to start at the end of April, and that got pushed to mm-hmm. I think two weeks later. Finally, my work visa had gotten approved, and then and it was shipped to me. I was super relieved when that finally happened. And then when I flew to Hong Kong in my plane, there was just very few people. Like I think in our section, it's a Cathay Pacific plane. So normally that would be like a lot of maybe a hundred people in one section. But at that mm-hmm. time, there were I think just nine of us in the whole section. Yeah. And the uh, and both the plane and the airport was a ghost town. I remember you sent me a photo of the empty airplane. You mentioned nine people in your section, but I did recall a guy was seated close to you, right? I didn't really understand why somebody yeah. was seated very close to you. I also don't know because I was assigned that seat. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Whoever assigned that seat wasn't really actually thinking, yes. looking at it at a bigger picture. Like, he could have been seated elsewhere. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I reached there, they asked me to download a Stay Home Safe app. So aside from the app, I also had to strap on a wrist tracker. The wrist tracker is connected to the app. So this will gotcha. this too will track my location and ensure that I am complying with my 14-day quarantine. The wrist tracker somehow made me feel like I'm Neil Caffrey of white collar. Remember the one with the, <laughs> with the ankle tracker though? With a wrist. proximity sensor. Yeah. And then Peter Burke would be at your door if ever yeah, you like, hey, go outside of your boundaries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but you know, I you'd think that that was it. But actually there were so many other stops to make. So after mm. each stop, I would have to take all my luggage. Now remember, this was not just a normal trip. This was me relocating from yeah. Singapore to Hong Kong. So I had like a lot of luggage and I had to wheel all of my luggage each time to put them on a trolley and then get on and then get off a bus. Oh, wow. And I didn't Mm. even know what was going on most of the time, I think, because I was sleepy and I had a headache. And all of these facilities, they were inside the airport terminal or was it already outside? I think this was outside. That's why there was a bus. Ah, I see. And then the final stop was a center where we had to take the COVID-19 test. We had to watch a video instruction of how to collect our own deep throat saliva specimen. Okay. You probably heard about the the swab where it's painful, like you're supposed to stick a long stick into yeah. your nose. It wasn't like this, but they had instructions. It specifically said, make the croa sound and then you spit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, okay. And why is that? Why croa? I think the cr sound uh, tr- triggers your deep throat probably. I see. Finally, I got on the bus again and this was the final bus ride. But this time, it was to our government-appointed hotel. So the government actually pays for that. Mm, so so my I hotel see. was actually a four-star hotel, which is pretty good. So I reached the mm. place at around 3.30 a.m. And then when I got yeah. there, uh, I was given a dinner box and then my room mm. key card. And then they told me that it was activated for single use. So that means that once I entered the room, I cannot leave because the keycard wouldn't Ooh, work wow. if I wanted to go back in. So it's actually a good control measure to prevent people from moving around. So it seems like Hong Kong got it covered. They were very meticulous and detailed about how they process people um, going into coming into Hong Kong in the midst of the pandemic and you mentioned your employment process got delayed by two weeks to be honest that's not so bad yeah. I've heard of people experiencing a lot longer delays than that in fact your friend um, who, who moved to Australia had a very different story he actually isn't my friend he's my friend's friend 
<laughs> but anyway, oh, so... Oh, friend's friend. <laughs> a derivative. Yeah. So this guy, uh, before COVID happened, he and his boyfriend decided to move to Australia. So he mm-hmm. uh, applied for a student visa. They're both Filipinos, actually, who were both working in Singapore at the beginning of the year. So he applied for a student visa and he got it. And in Australia, if you have a student visa, you can take your partner along with you. So mm-hmm. the plan was he would go there first to start his studies and then his boyfriend mm-hmm. would follow after, I think, a month. So he went over okay. and what happened was the pandemic was declared yeah. and Australia's move to quell that was to close their borders to everyone who was not a citizen. So oh, that no. means even though by right, the visa allows for my friend's friend's <laughs> friend's friend's boyfriend to go over... <laughs> Uh, he wasn't a citizen, so he couldn't go. He couldn't get in. Yeah, yeah, but the problem was he had already tendered his resignation. Oh, no. And so, like, I think he wanted to retract his resignation, resignation yeah. but uh, the employer didn't let him. And I think it's it's because oh, no. they are also part of the industries that got impacted. I see. I think he was working in retail. So That's So, sad. he didn't get to keep his job. So, in the end, he, yeah, he yeah. had to fly home to the Philippines. And well, obviously, their lives have completely changed. Plans got totally destroyed, and obviously the 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 boyfriend's uh, company saved money by him resigning and not actually retrenching him. Yeah, and it's quite tragic. Yes, actually. it is. So let, let's talk about our work style. How how it how COVID has changed our work style, and so our company has given each employee a laptop um, even before COVID. So I think that helped a lot. Yeah with navigating and continuing our work even we are not in the office. Mm-hmm. So while at home, I have my work laptop. I can communicate freely with my team, with my stakeholders uh, without a hitch. It's as if business as usual. So I think that's something that I'm really lucky about. Yeah. And then e- even though I'm not in the office, I'm not physically interacting with my colleagues, we, we still get the job done because essentially nothing has changed. Virtually, we're able to connect. We're able to do whatever it is that we do and i think the saving grace is for me it's actually a benefit i don't have to commute anymore so that kind of saved me time of course it's not without negative impact but at least uh, in that sense i am lucky as compared to you know the examples that we've talked about before how about you is it the same story uh no um you're lucky that you have a work issued laptop i don't i'm just lucky mm. i guess that i still have my own laptop because i think a lot of people don't because you can do a lot of things on your smartphone for me luckily yeah. i have a laptop but the problem is it's a macbook and i were uh, and at work we usually use uh what do you call this uh windows a windows pc i could still use the macbook to log on to a virtual environment like I could access a, mm. my PC in the office. Yeah. But the problem is MacBook has a different keyboard compared to yeah. Windows. So the problem is sometimes that, you know, uh, there are things that don't really work. Yeah, shortcuts yeah, don't shortcuts, work anymore. Yeah, so it, like if yeah. I... Working I, I, becomes I, awkward. Yeah, work, I used to be able to be very fast on Excel because of shortcuts, as you mentioned. Now it's like, it's not the same. And also at work, we usually benefit from having two monitors. And that really, really, really improves your productivity. But the problem is, I don't know if it's a MacBook thing again, but uh, even mm. though I have a separate monitor that I got from work, I couldn't get virtual environment to reflect on both that screen and also on my MacBook. So I'm limited to one screen. And that yeah. also impacts my productivity. You, you mentioned you're lucky you have your own device. So I think if we extrapolate that to what's happening in the Philippines, not a lot of Filipinos who, even though they've kept their job, had to work from home 
they have not invested in a personal computer or a laptop that would actually be sufficient for them to continue on yeah. with their work. And also, so yeah, and also the internet mm-hmm. connection, right? So yeah. the Philippines internet, yeah. internet connection is not very good, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And in my former company, when this happened, there were a lot of uh, issues with those working in Manila because their internet was bad. Let's talk about cons, how it changed the way we work. Looking at the negative side, I think one of the biggest downsides I felt is it's hard to distinguish when work starts and when work stops and when normal life begins. It's it's kind of conflating into one life. And sometimes I work from 9 a.m. continuously and then all of a sudden it's already 9 p.m. without actually taking a break. Sometimes I don't even recall standing up and that's... Yeah, that's very not good. Yeah. dangerous. It's not really good, but because you know it's my home. I'm this is the place where I'm supposed to relax, but then it it gets invaded with work, and it's just hard to juggle between these two. And yeah, and I'm struggling. But imagine you having kids who yeah. who, needs, who would have been in school but couldn't go to school because of the COVID, and so you have to juggle your time with uh, taking care of your kid. And at the same time, dealing with their colleagues, working. I have friends who have talked to me about their struggles with this. So as Mm. you mentioned, uh, it's a lot more difficult for them Mm. because the kid, especially the smaller ones who are probably not really aware about what they should do and not do. Like I have a a former colleague who mentioned that uh, he would be on a call in his office, which is supposed to be Mm. closed, but then his kid would just suddenly knock loudly on his door while he's on the call. (laughs) So it's like, oh my God, (laughs) right? (laughs) Can you imagine if, you know, you're talking to, to like a very important person and then your kid randomly just knocks on your door? I mean, the person would probably understand but for the parent it's probably mortifying okay now let's talk about the social impact and how it has changed our social lives and i think one of the topics that we've talked about earlier was anxiety about contracting the disease Um, and that's yeah Uh, first of all there's anxiety about contracting the disease or your loved ones contracting it and then you're also Mm. anxious about uh, your employment like for people who have lost their jobs they're worried like when is the pandemic going to end uh, when will they mm. actually get to find other jobs and then for those people who still have jobs like us we're also anxious like and how long will we get to keep our jobs Yeah. so uh, my friend actually shared an article with me mm. the article is called That Discomfort You're Feeling Is Grief which is published on Harvard mm. Business Review the line about anxiety is anticipatory grief is the mind going to the future and imagining the worst to calm yourself you want to come into the present this will be familiar mm. advice to anyone who has meditated or practiced mindfulness but people are mm. always surprised at how prosaic this can be realize that in the present moment nothing you've anticipated has happened in this mm. moment you're okay you have food you are not sick and I think that helps yeah. because like looking back, I was worried about so many things. And in the end, none of those things I worried about happened. So I was just suffering for nothing. I was punishing myself for something that ultimately wasn't real. Yeah, but we are on different levels as that as well. As, as humans, we belong to either overthinkers, overanalyzers that you know, lead to a lot of anxiety. But there are also those people 
just after singing Hakuna Matata, you know, <laughs> all the worries go away. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, let's try to help each other out in, in meeting halfway, remove all the worries, anxiety through interaction, through social interactions. But that's something getting really hard right now as well because we're all dependent with the g- digital media, which is through Zoom, Skype call, the normal... Um, the, the normal kind of social interaction would have been you calling your friend over to your house and then, you know, discuss things over and try to uh, tackle the problem. Yeah, but then... You know, together. Yeah. But but that's practically impossible right now. Yeah, that's a problem. And also, like, side from anxiety, maybe, like, introverts are fine. They are used to being left to <laughs> themselves. But what about the extroverts? They're, this is, like, a completely different ball game for them. I think I'm an extrovert. I... I do like some alone time and I'm very mm. independent, but I realize that I don't like being by myself 100% of the time. That's completely different. Mm. I enjoy interactions with people. So it was yeah. a bit difficult uh, at the beginning. That I mean, in Singapore, I had a flatmate and then I moved mm. to Hong Kong and I'm by myself. So my flatmate who got mm. left in Singapore, she's fine because she's an introvert, but I'm by myself mm. here at, at the beginning. I have to say, I especially during the <laughs> during the first two weeks when I had to be quarantined in my hotel room, I couldn't even leave mm. to open the door and go outside. So I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it cabin fever. I had that. Now I'm, I'm adjusted. But at the beginning, I have to say, I felt like, you know, some, there were moments where I would just randomly cry while I'm working, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow it reached to that level yeah like suddenly tears are streaming down my face I mean I'm adjusted now mm. don't worry but like there are people who are a lot worse probably who have legit clinical depression and mm. I'm sure they're struggling with this uh, I'm sure it's not just them but a lot of people probably have mental health issues actually mental health is also very important um, mm. yeah because who knows what would happen to these people maybe for other people they can bounce back but there are people who can't uh, what happens to them and aside from that um, we also have issues for, you know for adults have issues but then there are also kids who have to stay at home like I have a friend who said that she's concerned about her kid because her kid is a bit shy so she's concerned that that her kid cannot pick up social skills uh, mm. anymore because she can't go to school. She needs to develop these skills because she's still a kid. Yeah, that, that's the most underrated thing that school does, right? It, it promotes social interaction during the formative years of a kid. Yeah. And minus that, if we're doing schooling through digital means, it's hard to actually learn that. Yeah. Without the physical interaction with kids of your age who can bounce off ideas yeah. like you, like talk about nonsensical things. But but that's normal. That's how we develop social skills. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think, it's, yeah. It's just so hard to learn that in any other means. Yeah, I think it's different uh, if you talk to peers compared to like if a kid talks to his parents. That's a different level because you're on two different planes of maturity. Mm. So, so the kids needs to talk to somebody of their same age in order to develop healthy social habits yeah in, in fact i can't recall what lessons i learned during kindergarten but i definitely remember what we did during recess during lunchtime the games we played yeah. before those are the things that stick and again that brings a lot of anxiety to parents because they're just not sure how their kids will develop with, with this changed landscape of schooling yeah and also um one big social impact i guess would be on travel 
because uh, a lot of us get to travel at least once a year to other countries to have fun and so also to get away from work because if you don't rest from work you will just get burnt out but now yeah. you can't even do that now you have all these vacation leaves and you can only take them to stay at home yeah. that's really not as satisfying you know usually you stay home but you end up not it's not really relaxing you end up like doing chores or something like that so that's not really uh, proper VL uh, yeah because your home is now your office as well yeah. so staying at home would actually have that feeling that you're not on a vacation you're in the same place yes. where you work yeah so. it's, it's different I just remember this uh, story of my friend he actually used to be based here in Hong Kong so he was supposed to be my mm. one friend in Hong Kong and then he abandoned me okay not abandoned <laughs> he had <laughs> he had his own plans even before this pandemic happened same as me he had different plans he, he decided to to resign from his job in the finance industry because he realized that uh, he wanted to be a chef so it's a completely wow. different uh, shift his plan was to serve his notice in Hong Kong and then fly back to the Philippines and then come back and fly to Barcelona where he was going to be studying to be a chef. And he was planning to fly back not just to Manila but also to Zamboanga. So it, the, the mm. rule in the Philippines is you get quarantined at each city that you go into. So mm. he flies to Manila. In Manila, he would be quarantined for two weeks. And then he flies to Zamboanga. In Zamboanga, he would be quarantined for two weeks. Another two weeks. And then he flies wow. back to Manila, quarantined for another two weeks. And then he flies back to Hong Kong finally another two weeks. So that's that's two months. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. two, that's two months of quarantine. Of quarantining. That oh, no. didn't really um it makes sense for him to still mm. follow his original f- plan of flying to Sambuanga to be with his family for a while before flying to Spain. So he decided to mm. just stay in Hong Kong and you know uh, gotcha. yeah. And then he flew to Spain eventually in August when his uh, school would start. And now he's in Barcelona and he seems to be doing okay there like you know he's enjoying uh, his school and his new classmates and all that wow that that, that was even a bolder move than yours D so he actually changed uh, a shift in career and migrated to a different country for mine it was just a change in job same industry yeah. but for his it was a completely different industry and it's like a risk because uh, he's studying that means uh, he doesn't have a source of income right now so he's gotcha. just relying on his savings but well you sometimes you need to take a risk I guess <laughs> yes, that's right. So we've talked about how COVID-19 has impacted us, health, work-wise, studies, social impact as well. But now let's talk about how we can help each other uh, amidst this pandemic, how hand-in-hand hand we can survive this. Yeah. And I think one of the main things that we can do and help each other out would be be more sensitive. There are people who are severely impacted by this pandemic yeah and if you are one of those lucky ones who actually are surviving this unscathed then please be more sensitive the way you talk the way you post on social media yeah Uh, apply a little bit of sensitivity because you know um, it it definitely has impacted different people um, yeah I think um, uh, I think the right word to use here is privilege like think of your privilege like sometimes uh, mm. you, you can't help it uh, <laughs> you just usually just think of your own worldview I think right now there are a lot of celebrities who are getting getting bashed because they complain about what seems to be first world problems 
I mm. think there was a celebrity who was bashed because she complained that she was stuck in Vancouver for I don't know how many months to film uh, her TV mm. series. But like a lot of uh, Canadians were very offended by it, and not just Canadians really, but like a lot of people think like, how can you complain about something so trivial? Yeah, something so trivial. Try to look at it in a bigger picture. The mm. the discomfort you are experiencing may be very very minor compared to you know how others are actually dealing with this. So and aside from being sensitive. This was something that I actually didn't realize until a friend of mine mentioned this to me that she makes an effort to try to help out those who have uh, suffered financially because of this. Just in small ways like tipping and also supporting local businesses because the local businesses, the mom and pop shops that you mentioned earlier, they don't really have mm. deep pockets. Yeah, that's right. And if you have a skill set that potentially could help the medical industry, say for example if you have a 3D printer, if you're an engineer, if you're able to create devices that would help augment the gap in PPEs. So I've, I've seen people who are actually doing this already. They've created schematics on how to create face visors, uh, as, as they call it, and then actually sending them out to hospitals who are in dire need, who are having shortages of PPEs. And, you know, they've, they've reached out to small hospitals, community centers, kind of reaching out just to see what they lack and what gaps they have. And if you have the means and the skill set to help, please do so. But also there's a risk of you trying to inject yourself in a place or in a situation where you are not needed. So please be mindful of that as well. Hospitals are very busy. Medical practitioners are working in shifts. And so if your plan is just to insert yourself so that you feel good, please avoid yeah, that. Yeah, well. please don't do that. Don't do it just for internet points as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, and also um, one other thing is I guess we can help each other out by connecting with our friends and families especially those who are alone. It's yeah. important to check up on all of your loved ones because you don't know maybe one of them is actually suffering from COVID-19 and maybe they just yeah. didn't want to worry you and they never said anything that actually happened to Louis. He had already been in the hospital for 18 days and he didn't tell anyone except his family. I only found out when he finally posted about it uh, on Facebook on his birthday. When I found out, of course, I immediately called him and then I jokingly scolded him and said, why didn't you tell us what if you had died and we never even got to say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> that's true that could happen yeah you but know? We, we just laughed about it i mean we have dark humor i guess that's why i got away with that <laughs> but it made me realize that i don't want that to happen with anyone so after mm. that i tried to make it a point to check up on all my close friends not just about covid but just check up on them because they might need contact maybe they're crying in front of their computer while working mm. I guess you could say it's a bit of a positive that this year there's a boom in video calls because I realized before this I have a lot of long distance friends but we didn't really mm. think about video calls for some reason. We were always just texting or chatting like yeah. like us, right? And yeah. then it suddenly became cool to have Zoom calls so we decided to do it and actually it really improves your relationships when you actually see them because it's like physically being with them even though there is a slight lag. 
which we know about now. But <laughs> but you get to reignite your friendships. So I think it's a good idea yeah. to just reach out to someone you haven't even even those you haven't talked to in a while. Just say hey, we don't really know when this pandemic will end, but if we focus on helping each other, then I guess it won't be as bad. Yeah, and we've covered a lot here in, in this podcast, but we may be missing a lot of significant pieces of information. So for those who are listening to this, if you are willing to share your own stories of how you are surviving COVID-19 pandemic, please feel free to share with us. Stay safe out there, everyone. <laughs>